Hello and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. On today's show, I talk with Lori Barron, the superintendent of the Evergreen School District, about the fast approaching start of the 2020-21 school year. Lori is one of several people who are interviewed for this week's Flathead Beacon cover story, The Reopening Riddle, which is on newsstands now and available online at flatheadbeacon.com. That story, written by my colleague Myers Reese, dives deep into the plans for reopening schools that were rolled out across northwest Montana this week, plans that are tentative, to say the least, and likely to continue to evolve as the state continues to be impacted by COVID-19. And stay tuned to the end of the episode for the latest headlines from the last seven days. Before I bring on Dr. Barron, a quick reminder that this and every episode of this podcast is made possible by the generous members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Membership starts at just $5 per month and helps fund all of the reporting we do, covering Northwest Montana online, in print, and in these podcasts. And being a member comes with great perks, too, like exclusive bonus episodes of our true crime podcast miniseries, Project 7. To learn more or become a member today, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. All right, again, this week's cover story is The Reopening Riddle, and in it, voices from across the spectrum of educational stakeholders weigh in on the planned reopening of schools, which are hoping to welcome back students next month throughout Montana. Lori Barron is the superintendent of Evergreen Public Schools, and she joined me on Tuesday to walk through how we got to this point and what comes next for her district and others as they continue to navigate the unprecedented circumstances of educating during a pandemic. So I guess to start, can you summarize what the plan is as we talk on on July 14th for what school is going to look like for Evergreen next month? Yes, I appreciate you clarifying that that's as of July 14th. We did have a plan presented to our board yesterday at a noon meeting and our board did unanimously approve, unanimously approve our plan for reopening schools. And, you know, we noted even in our action item and on our plan that it could change. You know, we know we are still weeks out from the official start of school. And so the plan that our board approved yesterday is a four phase plan going from phase zero, phase one, phase two, and phase three based on the governor's guidelines. As it stands today, we are currently as a state in phase two, and that's group size not to exceed 50. And so we went ahead and approved a plan for all phases with the understanding and knowledge that there's a possibility we could move between phases in the coming months. And so we have a phase all the way from phase zero, stay at home, all food services are remote, all buildings are closed to public access, all instruction and learning is remote, no school activities or school-related travel, all the way to phase one, two, and phase three, where there's no limit on group size. So our board approved a four-phase plan, and our goal and hope right now is that we would be able to open school at full capacity for all students under phase two at the end of August. I want to ask a little bit about how those plans, I guess those four plans, came together. There has been some discussion about 
you know, the two separate suggestions that came out from, from our state offices here, one from the governor's office, one from the Office of Public Instruction. I know that the superintendents here in Northwest Montana do some work together. I'm sure the health department was involved. I mean, how, how did you go about building those plans? Yeah, so several assets to that. Um, first of all, I would say this has been a very strong, detailed, collaborative effort. While each district has its own local control and authority to present and approve a plan that meets its community's specific needs, we all know that we're stronger and smarter together. And so our superintendents throughout our region, we have a, a region group called Northwest Montana Association of School Superintendents, Northwest Mass, that, has been, that we meet regularly once a month throughout every year. And so that we already had a basis for a relationship of communication and collaboration and working together. And we typically don't meet in the summer and we've been meeting regularly since school was out. And so we began our group of school leaders in the region and particularly here in the Flathead Valley began looking at what are those phases that the governor's using. We started looking at those phases and together we developed a common set of language to talk about what it might look like to open in each of those phases. And then each of us, each school district, of course, looked at its individual community and student needs and resources and the plans that we're seeing right now, and you will see a lot of commonalities among the plans that are being presented to school boards. And a lot of them are coming out this week with the understanding that while we're in phase two right now, we know that could change in the coming weeks before school actually starts. But those plans are more the, the what. What are we going to do in each phase for safety and health measures? And what are we going to do in each phase for on-site and remote learning? And those plans, most of them are one or two pages. They're very specific to each phase, but they are the what we're going to do, not how we're going to do it. The guidance that was released by the governor's office and by the Montana Office of Public Instruction had a lot of the guiding things to think about and the how. And so the different plans, I don't feel, impacted the plans, the big picture plans that our boards are approving as much as they are going to impact how each district implements the plans we are looking carefully at each of those documents, just like we're doing a lot of research with the American Academy of Pediatrics. Um, we've read research from children's hospitals, from School Counselors Association and National Association of School Psychologists, from the National Federation of State High School Associations and Sports Medicine Advisory Committee. We've looked at a lot of documents for guidance. Of course, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, their guidance has had a big part in what we're doing. That there's a difference between the phases of this is the what and the guidance of how we will implement what happens inside each phase. Have you done then much, I mean, not knowing what phase we're going to be in when, when school opens up, have you been able to do much of the, of the how planning as you describe it for in Evergreen of the how remote learning will, will happen, how screenings and that will happen, or is, is that going to wait until we know what phase we're in when, when the doors do open? No, um, we're going to 
hope for the best and plan for the worst. And so we are already planning. We have, as many districts do, we have a COVID-19 reopening team that has about 30 members on it from across our district. We have three schools in our district. And we have um, administrators, counselors, behavior specialists, teachers, paraprofessionals, parents, community members, district office staff, food services manager, maintenance director that are on our reopening team. And we actually meet for the first time next week. And we will begin really looking at primarily phase two with discussions and reflections on phase one as well. One of the interesting things is while we were not prepared for and had no intention of having remote learning at the end of last year, we have done that. And we learned a lot in that process that should we be back in phase one, we're going to be able to take what we did for those last 15 or so weeks of school and improve upon that and implement it in an even stronger and better way, we believe. What we've yep. not done is phase two. And so we will spend a lot of our time talking about the plans for something as simplistic that maybe people don't think about the details on this sometimes, but what does student drop-off look like in the morning? Where do yeah. students gather to enter the building? What does passing time and class change look like? How do we serve lunch? What do we do for after-school dismissal? What do athletics and activities look like? So we have a lot of discussions to do, and we understand that some families may choose remote learning. And so in phase two, we'll have the added challenge of providing on-site and remote learning. So you're operating as a district in phase two, we hope, but you're also providing some services that were part of phase one. Yeah, I want to talk about, about faculty and, and staff for just a moment, too. I, I know that um, you mentioned just a moment ago that, that some students and families may choose to do remote learning. Have you had conversations with faculty and staff members, particularly maybe those who are either in ver uh, vulnerable populations themselves or, or live with someone who is uh, particularly vulnerable to this, who may not feel comfortable returning to school? I, I guess, what level of conversation have you had with, with staff uh, at this point? Yeah, so our plan has, we've been working on it as you know, basically since March, but specifically May, June, and July, we've been developing our reopening of schools guidelines for all phases. And throughout that time, you know, our meetings with, we met with our board, we met with our administration, we met with our union leadership, and our meetings with staff were virtual, obviously, because we weren't meeting in person, but we did have the opportunity to talk with staffs before school was out, just to let them know that we were planning and what we were working on and that we weren't sure, we didn't have the answers. Remember at that time, we didn't have our phased plan ready. It just got approved yesterday. So our next step now is to begin those really <laughs> difficult planning things that you just brought up. We have a lot of work to do getting this plan approved now by the board, which allows us to operate in any phase allows us to move forward with planning with staff and families. So tomorrow we will be sending out an email to all of our families with a survey, letting them know what our phase plan is and that asking them if we open in phase two, what is your intention for your student? Will your student participate in on-site instruction and learning or will your, will your student participate in remote instruction and learning? And following that, we will meet with our district COVID-19 reopening team next week and we will start to review a memorandum that we're developing for staff 
so that we can get information out to staff and talk with them about if any of them have a COVID-related reason that would require them to stay home. We will then have to match those two pieces of information, the survey results from hundreds of families and the any leave requests we, we might receive from a staff member to determine how best to meet students' needs. Uh, our hope is the majority of our staff and students returned on campus. You know, if we're in the phase two as we are right now, which we know could change as well. But we also know we're going to have to plan for appropriate opportunities should families choose remote learning or should a staff member be required to stay home. And so those discussions are starting where, like I said, the communications will go out to families tomorrow asking their input and then we will start communications about what to do with that information and staff and their needs next week. Just one more question for you. I really do appreciate the time, Lori. You talked earlier about, you know, you, you hope for the best and, and prepare for the worst. I, I know one of those worst case scenarios is that there is an outbreak within the school or, or maybe even not an outbreak, maybe even just a positive test discovered from someone, whether it's, it's faculty or student who's been in the building. What have your conversations been and to what level have you planned for what would happen if there was uh, the coronavirus or COVID-19 discovered within one of your schools? Right, good question. I would start first by saying, as noted in our plan and is in what we're working on how to implement, we are taking a lot of additional measures for health and safety. And we have purchased a great deal of disinfectant, of fogger machines where you can spray down classrooms and buses safely. We've had donations of masks, of face shields. We are hiring temporary custodial positions to help with sanitation and cleaning. We are going to change our traffic patterns for student traffic and staff traffic. So we are putting a lot of things in place that we hope will mitigate some of the risk. We know we can't eliminate them, but we are going to work really hard to try and mitigate some of those. But we know that there's still a risk and that, as you noted, we could have a positive case either by a, a student or a staff member. Our hope is to work on patterns where fewer students come in contact with a majority of other students, but we know that that won't be perfect either. And so we will be following the Flathead City County Health Department guidance about contacts. And they have indicated to us, the Flathead City County Health Department, that if there is a positive case in the school, they will do contact tracing to determine close contacts. And they are defining, in our most recent discussion, they are defining close contacts as anyone that had at least 15 minutes of exposure within six feet of the case. So any close contact that had at least 15 minutes of exposure within six feet of the case of the person who has the virus would be required to quarantine for a period of 14 days from the last exposure. And so we would, if that guidance changed, we would change our plan as well. Again, I, I think it's really important for our communities to know that we are very closely following Flathead City County Health Department guidance. We're working with local officials, we're working with state officials, we're working together as school districts. 
and we're doing our very best to give students an opportunity to come back to school in the safest environment we can with the guidance that we have. Understanding that if that guidance changes, we will change as well. But right now our plan would be to make sure the Flathead City County Health Department knew of any close contacts, which will be 15 minutes of exposure within six feet, and that those contacts will be required to stay home for 14 days. So it's gonna be really important in our day-to-day logistics and operations of schools, for example, that we know where students are seated in classrooms and we know where students are seated at lunch. And so that if we did have a case, we're able to very easily determine who the close contacts were. Well, Laurie, I know obviously these are are unprecedented times and and I'm sure not easy times, but I I appreciate you chatting with me and and all the work you've done to to make this as as safe as possible for, for everybody involved going forward. Well, we appreciate you helping us share the information. And again, I cannot reiterate enough that this is our plan as of now, and we will continue to stay in close contact with Flathead City County Health Department, with the state, and we will adjust and adapt if needed to try and provide the safest environment possible. But I will say we're super excited and really hopeful to get kids and staff back on campus and in a safe manner. Absolutely. All right. Thanks again, Lori. Thank you. You can read more from Lori Barron and digest all of this week's Flathead Beacon cover story, The Reopening Riddle, on newsstands now, and it's available to read for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 10 p.m. on Tuesday, July 14th. Montana continues to report new cases of coronavirus at an ever-quickening pace, and the state's spike shows no signs of flattening out. There have been 582 new cases of COVID-19 reported in just the last six days, a staggering total, considering it took Montana almost three months to record its first 582 positives. There are now more than 1,000 active coronavirus cases around the state, and the latest spike has included a significant rise in three northwest Montana counties. Flathead County has reported 18 new cases in the last two days. Lake County recorded 27 cases on Monday alone, and Lincoln County has added 26 new cases since Sunday. The death toll from COVID-19 is also rising, due in part to an outbreak in an assisted living facility in Billings, Eight of the state's now 34 deaths from the virus have been linked to that outbreak. In light of the rapid rise in cases, the city of Whitefish on Tuesday unanimously passed an ordinance requiring cloth masks be worn in almost all public settings. The ordinance comes just a week after the city passed a resolution urging the public to use face coverings to mitigate the spread of the coronavirus. The new ordinance includes potential penalties for non-compliance, including the possible forfeiture of a business's license and a citation for people who do not follow the requirement. Masks must be worn in all indoor spaces, except by children under 12, by individuals with medical or mental health conditions, and by those actively exercising, eating, or drinking. Masks must also be worn when inside a business, on public transit, or in any gathering of more than 20 people. You can read the full ordinance on our website, flatheadbeacon.com. Despite the rapidly rising number of coronavirus cases, the Flathead County Fair Commission 
unanimously announced the Flathead County Fair will proceed as planned later this summer. The fair is scheduled for August 19th through 23rd at the county fairgrounds in Kalispell and will include a concert from country singer Chris Jansen and the annual PRCA Rodeo. The Flathead County Fair is one of the only ones in Montana moving forward this summer without significant changes. The fair commission did say ticket sales to the two main events would be limited to 75% of normal capacity and that other social distancing measures will be in place. The use of masks will also be strongly recommended. And finally, the unofficial start of summer in northwest Montana has arrived as Glacier National Park's Going to the Sun Road is now open to Logan Pass and beyond, although because of continued closures on the Blackfeet Indian Reservation, the road will dead end at Rising Sun on the park's east side. The road's opening comes amid surging crowds at the park, which has been booming since it opened last month. Traffic on Going to the Sun Road is highly congested, but those vehicles do not include the park's iconic red buses or any other tours, almost all of which have been shelved by the ongoing pandemic. Some other services in the park are also limited, and visitors are warned to expect long lines at the West Glacier entrance all summer and are urged to plan a backup option or two as traffic is frequently restricted on Sun Road. That's all for this week, but remember, you can read more about these stories and others and get all the latest news and information from throughout Northwest Montana at flatheadbeacon.com, where all of our content is available free, no subscription required, and no paywall to get through. We'll be off next week, but back with a new episode on Wednesday, July 29th. Until then, thanks for listening.